Hello everybody and welcome to Football Unfocused, the world's greatest podcast. If you believe that, <laughs> my goodness me, you're in trouble. Uh, this is the weekly uh, bag of poor quality, some might say shit content, churned out by uh, myself, uh, a man called Mark, and this character, a man called Matthew. He's been saying it's shit content. Well, I've just sort of listened and and come to my own opinion. So when you say some may say you, it's just... Well, it's mostly you may me. Say it it's me saying that to myself. Own. I sort of listen back to it and think, fuck me. That's gone out sort of, you know, with my reputation on the line. My previously unblemished yeah. reputation. Uh, yeah. So this podcast, unlike last week's... Um, sort of groundbreaking, revolutionary piece of content is back to our normal... Uh, Service. Yeah, on, a, on digital devices, looking at each <laughs> other down a, a lens. Matthew, uh, as ever, I have some carefully uh, scripted questions uh, ready to delight our listeners in their quest to learn more about you as a person. Um, Matthew, question one. What did you have for dinner last night? <laughs> I had uh, McCartney's quarter pound, I think they were quarter pound, hamburgers in, yep. a, brioche, in a vegan brioche bun. Yep. With uh, sliced gherkins and. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Any it, sides it, it, with that? Um, well, did I mention the gherkins? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so rather than sliced and in your vegetarian slash vegan burger, you had them. Hole on the side. Oh no, I did slide. I stuck them in. I was yeah. So you just had the burger. You didn't have any. Yeah. There were no chips. Chips, Ch- or it. chips no. of course, are a vegan. Uh, you could just live on chips, couldn't you? I could. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how far I'd get, but yeah. Are they? Is the quality <laughs> of the chip shop um, high in Derbyshire, where you now live? <laughs> Are they, what did you say? Are the chip I said, is the quality of the chip shop high in Derbyshire where oh, you now right. live? I haven't been, but I assume so. So you've lived there for <laughs> about a month and a half and you haven't been sort of chippy. What kind of a no. man are you? There's, um, there, there's a, a Chinese takeaway um, quite not, not that close to us. Um, I don't know why. Joe was telling me about a Google review of of the Chinese, I think because we ch- we drove past it, and she said she saw one review that said, "Just your average Chinese chippy takeaway." <laughs> I like the way. <laughs> what what did you find amusing about that? I d- um, I th- felt that it may have been in danger of being unauthentically a Chinese. Well, I think actually, Matthew, if you do your research, oh, you'll sorry. find, and if you knew about the North, the place if where you... you now live, the Chinese chippy is a cultural staple. Pretty much every chippy in Liverpool is a Chinese chippy. It's it's a thing. Oh, it's sorry. Thing. You go to oh, the Chinese no. and you get your chips, but you also get a chow mein. So get <laughs> up with it, Matthew. Dear, oh dear. <laughs> Oh no! Okay. Dear oh dear! Right, so you didn't have anything else with your um, your Linda McCartney vegetarian burger. You just had the no. burger. The burger, yeah. Interesting. Did you have any dessert? Um, I had half a chocolate sponge cake with some vegan cream. 
Wow. Um, and, and, and can I ask the derivation of this chocolate sponge cake, please? Uh, you mean, where was it from? Well, what type of sponge cake was it? Did you oh. make it at home? Is it, was it a, oh. a fresh sponge cake? Was it an old school kind of 1970s out of a tin yeah. sponge cake? Um, somewhere between the last two. Uh, <laughs> what the hell does that mean? How so, can it be somewhere in between a fresh sponge cake and oh, a tin sponge cake? So a stale was... fresh one, <laughs> <laughs> a fresh tinned one. Yeah, yeah. You took a fresh one and just put a tin around it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't in a tin, um, but it was from Audi. I think it was. It was part of their veganuary. Yeah. So it was from just the because fridge. it was from a budget supermarket doesn't make it, you know, necessarily uh, like on a par with a tinned item. You're talking no. down the place that you choose to give your custom. You're you're on no, one no, hand no. giving, on the other hand taking away, Matthew. I know. No, yeah, no, you're right. It was, I mean, it's probably as best a chocolate sponge cake as I had since the one I had from Fortnum and Mason. <laughs> Excellent. You really are a man of the people. No one could accuse you of otherwise. Question two, Matthew. We're only Matthew. on two. Yeah, we are oh, only on two. <laughs> Matthew, you're very much into rowing, um, a sport that if we were to do a podcast about it, you'd probably be able to offer a lot more in terms of content than you do for, for this, <laughs> uh, dare sure. I say. Um, well, you say it's harsh, but is it or is it not true? I know I said I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> point. Uh, it, is your, now that you're uh, rapidly hurtling towards your fifth decade, the clearly the dream um, of being a, an Olympic rower is, is gone. Um, sorry. <laughs> Um, but is your now is your now is your uh, ultimate fantasy to be a cox? <laughs> My fantasy, mm. opposed to an ambition. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, you know, I know because I, I would call it a fantasy because it is that unattainable. Uh, uh, is is yeah. is cox your future? <laughs> um, cox? No, I probably not. What would stop you being a cox? Uh, being too fat. Right, so you have to be tiny. You have to have a tiny cox. <laughs> well, maybe maybe I've got a chance then. <laughs> Excellent. So, so coxing is not uh, part of your on, on plans. the cards. Okay, okay, fine. No. Right, you'll have to think of something else rowing related in which you can sort of hang on to the coattails of the successful people. <laughs> uh, yeah. Final question, Matthew. Just a light-hearted one to end with. Oh, well, that's uh, quite do, serious. No, no, just a, no, I'm just going to do a light-hearted one after the two kind of more intense ones. <laughs> do you believe that COVID-19 is a global conspiracy perpetuated by the ruling elites, the pharmaceutical firms, and that the vaccine programme is a, uh, a, uh, a lie in order to put <laughs> microchips into people and control them for consumer purposes for from now until the end of time? <laughs> um. I don't. I don't think I want to get into this debate, really. Yeah, because it is definitely a, a debate with <laughs> two strong sides, quite, isn't it? So, just answer toxic. the question: yes or no. It's not a debate. I asked you a yes or no question. Do you believe those well, things to be true that I just said? <laughs> I mean, you know, with the prospect of getting my house egged. So, um, are you are you worried about no. the, the people who believe that you know we're being run by a global? Um, cabal of baby snatchers and baby eaters <laughs> run from a pizza restaurant in Washington DC. You're worried about those people hearing you saying no to a very simple question and finding out who you are, where you live, and egging you. <laughs> That's your fear. 
You know what? It's people with your level of backbone <laughs> that really are leading the fight back. For leading the fight back against the dangers of conspiracy theories, isn't it? It's your. Thank God, everyone. You know, if only everyone had your level of uh, guts and sort of determination, bravery. To, yeah, brave. Yeah. yeah, you really are a brave, brave man. Good lord. Yeah, yeah. A, 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 somebody actually died. A musician in the Czech Republic. This woman, I think she was only about in her mid fifties and no previous health problems. She was a uh, vaccination, uh, a vaccine skeptic. And she deliberately infected herself with COVID-19 because she wanted to travel somewhere to do a musical performance. So um, she thought that if she had it and then recovered from it, uh, that that would then enable her to travel without having to have the vaccine. And then she died of it. Uh, So there's there's all sorts of feelings. How did she infect herself? I think she she just, you know, went and breathed in the cough of someone who was she knew to be infected, you know. I mean, yeah. I guess if you really wanted to get COVID, you could just go and start, you know, like licking things Coating in the, the supermarket and stuff, couldn't you? And just like, just getting on the tube and inhaling really deeply, like every time someone coughs and just getting, just, yeah. <laughs> just describing my day-to-day living. Yeah, good. <laughs> Despite the fact that you live nowhere near uh, anywhere. I mean, do you even have public transport in... Uh... They're, try- they're trying their best to, um, to, to stamp it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I know what a died in the wall sort of man of the people socialist you are. You believe in the uh, the, the the sort of uh, the communal experience of public transport so much that once again you've moved to an uh, an area where there's very little public transport and <laughs> probably most people just you know go home, lock the doors, and shoot wild animals. Um, <laughs> wear tweed. Matthew, today what are we going to talk about when it comes to football? Well, I. I texted you this last mm, week. You did, yeah. I'm just asking you to explain to us. Oh, right. Okay, I know, sorry. and you know, but yeah, what do, yeah, yeah, our yeah. listeners don't know, Matthew. They're yeah. not telepathic. No, no, no. You do a very good convincing, um, yeah, double bluff. I yeah, don't know it's not really, is it? It's just, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a conceit, <laughs> it's isn't it? It's a conceit. It's a conceit, it's a conceit it. that all great broadcasters do, like us, <laughs> uh, where we pretend not to know something and ask a question that will enable us to lead seamlessly into the content of the uh, the the edition that we're recording. Yeah. So so you alluded to Torres um in last week's podcast mm. and how when he moved to Chelsea there was a, a notable deterioration in his performance. So you were you uh, your your bright idea was to or or not, you know, not in a condescending way, but um you <laughs> you thought that it would be a good discussion point to look at other sort of high-profile players that have had a notable demise in performance? Well, I've always found it really interesting, quite intriguing, really. I guess there's two ways of looking at this. There's transfers that just go disastrously wrong, that can look on paper um, like a kind of match made in heaven and just never work out for whatever reason. But then shouldn't be thrown into the same um, same ballpark as this because they're actually quite different is what I probably find even more interesting is players who just go from seemingly kind of having the world at their feet to just disappearing into obscurity and their their careers really going on the way sometimes happens quite early in careers where players will have a really bright start and then sort of fade out burn out get found out um and then often it's it can be to do with uh, injuries, bad injury at a bad time, takes an edge off their game, stops them doing something that they were particularly good at that kind of defined their success up to then. And I actually also 
believe or have a suspicion that we're now living in an era, and this is a very good thing, where people are now much more uh, open and generally well-informed about um, their mental health. And I I suspect, it may not necessarily come out now, but I suspect that um, over the next sort of 10 to 20 years, you're going to get players who you the sort of casual observer will have looked at and said, oh, yeah, whatever happened to him? Like, you know, he, he one minute is playing for England and the next minute is kind of on a free transfer to Huddersfield. Um, and you'll you'll hear ex- explanations that essentially they were having problems in their, in their personal lives, problems with their mental health that was just stopping them being able to give the requisite levels of sort of focused training to sort of stay at that top level. And, you know, don't forget, no one's life is completely seamless and uh, and perfect. Everyone brings a level of baggage with them on the day that they first turn up for training, be it the first day they train as a as a youth in the academy to, you know, signing as a 29-year-old, £100 million uh, transfer. It's, it's, it's the same thing. No, you know, um, we've all kind of got our own, our own story and our own journey. And you never really know from the outside looking in, much as people love to speculate, what's kind of going on. And I, I suspect that there's loads more of that than we probably think about um, very regularly as kind of, you know, interested yet relatively casual observers. Um, but I suppose injury is one of the main things. I, supp- I, I, I would um, say that probably the biggest, um, most high-profile flop... Um, for want of a better word, in the last three or four years, has to be Eden Hazard. Because he genuinely is one of the most gifted footballers I've ever seen, certainly in in the Premier League, you know. And he played for uh, Chelsea for about seven years. And for um, a a considerable amount of that time, he was um, by far and away their best player. They were really, really relying on him for goals, for creativity, um, a bit like what we were talking about last week when we were talking about you know, Grealish at Villa and um, and McManaman at Liverpool in the 90s. It's um, the, the kind of player who's such a talisman that everything that the team do go through, um, go through him. And I think he joined Chelsea just after they'd won the 2012 uh, Champions League. So actually, sort of over that seven-year period, they, I think they won two titles. Which didn't really, I mean, that's still a hell of an achievement, but I didn't really um, probably um, reflect just how good he was and how dominant he was. He was, that was during a time when increasingly, you know, Manchester City certainly, and then in the latter part of that time, Liverpool were starting to kind of take over the dominance. But I would still argue that Hazard, as an individual, was probably the best player in the league throughout that time. He won... PFA player of the year once or twice and he's just just a superb footballer and probably would have um he let so he leaves to join Real Madrid in, at the end of the um 18-19 season so he joins Real Madrid in 2019 and you look at it and you think okay I think he was uh, maybe 28 at the time and um you just think that is just a a perfect Real Madrid signing you know they've got a player that you know they've got they've got uh, Ronaldo had gone. Uh, Bale was kind of a bit of a fading force. Um, even their kind of slightly deeper creative players like Modric, who's still superb, but you know he's thirty six, so 
then he was what 33 34 you just think right Hazard that's just ideal you know he's got the he's got the ability to handle playing for Real Madrid and he's he's got the mentality to kind of to deal with the pressure of playing for what I pro- what I do regard um as the world's biggest club because I think if you've won the Champions League as much as they have you can't I think it's futile really to argue that anyone else is the world's biggest club despite the attempts of some marketing departments in certain clubs in northwest England uh, to do so based on what shirt shirt sales in China I don't know but um but it just ha- it's just been a disaster now some of that is is down to injury he has had some really bad injuries he had some bad injuries actually while he was at Chelsea and the, the type of injuries that really do inhibit your um your kind of you know your movement and your um reflexes and your what's it they they call them like when you have to sort of react really quickly i can't remember the terminology twitch yeah all that all that stuff twitch muscles yeah all that stuff so he's undoubtedly had some damage over these and probably he's carrying an awful lot of scarring in his body and he he doesn't tend to get this sort of injury that keeps you out for three or four weeks he tends to get like a five month injury um but even so, he has played 45 games in three seasons for Real Madrid. And probably if you delve into the stats of that, um, quite a lot of those are from the bench. He's only, he's only scored four goals. And he's now in this transfer window been spoken about as a transfer target for West Ham and Newcastle. So it, it appears that, you know, that those types of things don't happen by accident. And for there to be a kind of significant drop in the level of club that is your potential next employer, that that means that objectively, football as an industry has kind of looked at you and made an assessment that, that something's gone in you. Now, what I've always found quite interesting about him is that the way he plays the game with such kind of confidence and almost like a... a, a I think because he's such a creative player who's good at running at people and, you know, kind of explosiveness and does spectacular things. He scored a goal for Chelsea once, I think it was against Arsenal, when he walked around about six people, ran almost up the, did his whole half and put it in the net. And you, you can make it, you can look at someone like that, a flair player, and probably assume that, oh, they're bursting with self-confidence and that they're probably, you know, got to have a bit of an ego to play football like that. But my understanding with him is the opposite is true. I think he's really quite a humble, shy um, fella who just likes his home life, likes staying out of the um, limelight. I think he was really happy and settled at Chelsea. So there is, of course, the chance that he's just felt a little bit kind of out of his depth because no matter... You know, I have you have to, whether you like it or not, give huge respect to what Chelsea have achieved um, since Abramovich poured his money in there in uh, in two thousand and three. But no matter how much they've achieved in that kind of nineteen years, they're playing for Real Madrid is another level in terms of pressure. You know, they've got they've got they've been basically from the foundation of European club competition. They have been the biggest club. You know, they won I think five European cups out of the first uh, six or seven. So. You know, there's there's there was there is no bigger pressure really than playing for Real Madrid, and you're living with in a le- with a level of spotlight that probably you you don't quite quite get when you <clears throat> when you go to play for Chelsea. You know, they've got a nice, uh, I think they've got a nice, um, relatively rural training training ground uh, on the outskirts of London. You can live in a you know nice sort of uh, green 
uh, mansion somewhere near there and just have quite a relatively quiet life and just, you know, sort of almost like village life. And that's probably not really attainable um, in Madrid. So who knows? Who knows? I mean, that is, that is really speculation, but it is, it's is—it's fascinating to see. And it is quite sad to see, really, how he genuinely looks like he's done. And to a much lesser extent, in terms of uh, achievement in the game and ability, it's tempting to throw Deli Ali into the uh, into the mix as well because I am absolutely baffled. I mean, I I know you're not the most fanatical Spurs fan, Matthew, but you are still nevertheless a Spurs fan. And even you must have noticed with the one game a season <laughs> that you watched that he's just gone, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh right, sorry. <laughs> well, have you? <laughs> I mean, you nodded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was sufficient. Yeah, no, I re- I just messaged you uh, because yeah, that was one one oh, yeah. one player that I did note uh, would fit into this discussion. Yeah, and that's that's really you re- yeah, but you actually sent that to me. Well, and weird. Yeah, and the thing that's really interesting about him is he's still only twenty five, right? But when England got to the semi final of the twenty eighteen World Cup. He was a kind of fundamental part of that team. And um, so we're talking three and a half years ago. So what, he's, he's 21, 22. Um, and it really looked like the kind of future of the England team was going to be built around his attacking prowess. And there was all sorts of rumours that clubs, all the biggest clubs in the world wanted him from all over Europe and in this country. You know, myself as a as a Liverpool fan always had a bit of a, a regret that um, Brendan Rodgers had... He, he started off at M- MK Dons. Uh, so I think he was brought up around there. And Brendan Rodgers had the opportunity to sign him. And he's, uh, I think it's relatively a relatively open secret. That he's, he was a Liverpool, big Liverpool fan as a boy and idolised Steven Gerrard. And we went in for him um, on the same kind of transfer window that he ended up signing for Tottenham. And my understanding is that uh, we thought... He, um, Liverpool so thought that uh, he, they were playing silly buggers with the price. It was just too much money to pay for a player who hadn't um, played in the top division. So he ends up, uh, we got outbid by Tottenham and he goes to Tottenham. And he was an absolute runaway, roaring success. His first few seasons, just you know, unbelievable. He just looked so talented. He was scoring goals with kind of effortless ease. He had this habit of kind of making late runs and, you know... Um, you know, arriving in the box at the perfect time to get on the end of things. He was bringing other people into play, play so creative and, and played with this kind of um, almost like a Zen-like um, sense of kind of calm authority um, and confidence. And again, it's just, it is baffling to really understand what has happened to him. Now, I know that he has a complicated kind of, life story in terms of um, he doesn't particularly like being referred to as Delhi Ali. I think he prefers just to be referred to as Delhi because he kind of almost rejects his surname because of its association with his dad. So I think he's had quite a complicated um, relationship with his dad uh, over the years. Whether that's had any impact on him as he's developed as a player, who knows? Because you never know when these... Th- but there, there, there has to be a reason. In my view... Uh, you know, not being a Spurs fan, but watching a lot of Spurs uh, Spurs matches over the last um, five or six years, I would 
suggest that his form actually started to go downhill probably midway through the 18-19 season. And that is actually um, when Tottenham, if you were watching closely, and I know most, most Tottenham fans acknowledge this, uh, when the, the, the form of the team under Pochettino after three or four years of just continue uh, continual progress seemed to start to wane a little bit. And the irony, of course, is that that was the season they got to the Champions League final. But their league form absolutely fell off a cliff. They lost so many games in that second half of the season. I think in the year 2019, they they lost a a ludicrous amount of matches for a club that had been sort of up there challenging, you know, in and around the title, certainly the top four for the years leading up to that. Um, And his his dropping form was probably the most pronounced out of all the players during that time. And they just somehow managed to find the miraculous performances to beat Manchester City and then Ajax to get to the Champions League final, which is really the, the pinnacle of their, you know, probably the certainly the biggest achievement in their modern history to get to a Champions League final um, like that. But kind of since then, they've had, what, three different managers, four if you count Pochettino, because obviously Pochettino goes and then it's Mourinho, then Nuno, and now uh, Antonio Conte. And no one is picking him. Yeah, and, and, and the thing that's really interesting, I mean, he's, I think he's only played 10 Premier League games this season. Probably at least half of them are will be off the bench. He tends to pop up in, um, what, you know, Conference League games uh, in the European competition and then be one of the people who certainly under Mourinho last season uh, would get the blame if they put in a sub, if there was a substandard uh, team performance. There was this idea that he's kind of strolling through matches and, and oh, there's the vindication of why I don't pick him. And it's just absolutely fascinating as to how he's gone in such a short space of time when he's still supposed to be in his physical peak. He even does... I look even at the way he carries himself, and I know that this is relatively subjective and difficult to kind of prove, but he just doesn't look like the player that he was a couple of years ago. He looks almost apologetic. <clears throat> and it's quite interesting because before Christmas... Tottenham played Liverpool and it was probably one of the best, most exciting games of the season, a, a, a two-all draw. And he, out of nowhere, kind of got picked from the start of that game. And I think generally the perception was he had a really good game and they were bigging him up on the telly and, you know, talking about him afterwards in all the analysis that, uh, oh, you know, um, maybe this is him back. But he's barely barely featured again since then. And when he does, I think even the FA Cup game at home to Morecambe a couple of weeks ago, he was on the pitch where... Essentially, Tottenham were going out the FA Cup to, at home to a League One team, a one nil down, and then he, got, he gets dragged off, and you know they end up winning. Was it three or four one? So something looks like it's gone almost irreparably uh, wrong, and certainly it doesn't feel to me that that's going to get resolved at Tottenham, and he might have to move. And he'll end if he does move, he'll he'll almost certainly end up moving in a direction he would have been inconceivable three years ago. You know, he'll probably go uh, at best sideways or maybe down. You do get it sometimes, though, where a player is just kind of in a rut at a particular club or has a fit that isn't right for them, and then they'll go somewhere else and um, and blossom. You know, maybe that's going to happen to um, Phil Coutinho. You saw the way he scored on his debut for Villa last week, and he's had a, a kind of similar deterioration, really, since signing for Barcelona, a kind of dream move for him um, in at the end of 2018. And, um, or, or sorry, 2017, wasn't it? Because he missed the, uh, he didn't get to play in the 2018 
uh, Champions League final. So yeah, the 2017-18 season. I, I was at his last game. I was in the away end at um, Brighton watching him just put in a superb performance and I, I think he scored a brilliant free kick where he anticipated the wall were all going to jump and he just put it underneath. It's one of them, you know, you do see that sort of absolute magic. And you just thought, wow, he's, you know, because the interesting thing about him and I do think you get this in football sometimes. Liverpool signed him in the, in the transfer window in the, in the January of the 2012-13 season, along with Daniel Sturridge. And he came straight in and made an impact. And I think probably that might be because at the time, Liverpool were kind of... The, the, if you're going to join, you know, a, a big club like that, it might... I suppose that was probably the best time if you want the pressure to be off because it was a really mediocre transitional season, Brendan Rodgers' first season, and we were kind of trying to build something. And Daniel Sturridge signed as well, and those two really made a massive difference. But prior to that, he'd had a move to at a relatively young age to Inter Milan. Inter thought they'd got the next Brazilian Wizkid, and he was completely out of his depth there. He was sinking. He didn't have the confidence. They saw him as really soft-centred. So then... You know, he then has um, four or five years of just building up his reputation, his confidence, his performance. He's absolutely exceptional and fundamental to the team. He becomes the second most expensive player at that time in, in world football. 140 million quid, huge amount of money, which Liverpool were able to, you know, because it was so much to reinvest and buy one of the best goalkeepers and, and the best central defender in the world with with that money. Hence the, the, the net spend of Liverpool being so low compared to their rivals over the last few years because they got so much for Coutinho. And you kind of think, OK, well, he's going to go and play with Messi and um, I think Neymar was still there when he when he signed for them. And, you know, the, the ends of the days of like Iniesta and stuff. And he's just been an absolute disaster. They, they cannot get him out of there quick enough. And now he's gone to Aston Villa, albeit on loan, He's playing for a manager who he's, he used to play with, so knows how to get the, the best out of him and knows where his skill set lies. And it might be that he will now suddenly blossom again. And, and what that means in terms of if he has a, you know, a magnificent next six months, whether that will then kind of almost price him out of Aston Villa signing for them permanently. My understanding is they've got like a 30 million quid buy clause or something at the end of the six months, which is a hell of because he is... And I'm an amazing footballer. They can get him for that. But it's so fascinating to think as to what stops them doing that. You know, even players with, with kind of even bigger reputations than Coutinho, like we, we, I spoke very briefly last week about Angel Di Maria. Like, a, a, a giant of world football, international. You know, he scored the winner in Argentina's Copa America win last weekend. He's played, he's been... In an era where Real Madrid were racking up the Champions League wins and they had, you know, Bale, Benzema and Ronaldo and three, there were a lot of people arguing that he was still, you know, their most important player. Got man of the match in one of their Champions League final wins. And it goes to Old Trafford and it just, it just looks inhibited. He looks um, like he just doesn't know what the hell he's doing, where he fits. I, I think... You know, kind of supporting my point about um, about the the personal lives and the mental health and all that sort of stuff. It's again a bit of an open secret that him and his family just didn't settle into Northwest uh, England. I think he got burgled um, at one stage, and his uh, I think his wife was um, or his entire family even were like held at knife point in in his in their own house. So I guess when that type of thing happens, it probably shouldn't be a surprise that they then struggle to be you know, sufficiently motivated to put in their best performances on the pitch. But then obviously since then, 
He's gone on to be a fundamentally important player for PSG as they get closer and closer to their fantasy of winning the Champions League. So it is really interesting, you know, to look at that as clearly just a blip in an otherwise magnificent career. And possibly that might be how Coutinho, although maybe Coutinho would be a bit more than a blip because it was it was his big move and it's essentially about four years out of his career that have been pretty much written off. Compare them to someone like Deli Ali, who Will he be back? I don't know. I mean, we'll have, we'll have to see. And there's a few others that we won't we won't go into now that you could talk about. I mean, Paul Pogba's absolutely fascinating. You know, what's he? You know, he, he, is it Juve? He looks like an elite player. Um, he went there with a massive reputation, having having kind of been a prodigy at Old Trafford. I think they got him at quite you know relatively young age. Then he goes back, world record transfer fee. Uh, you know, he's won the World Cup in the time since he's been there. And every time he pulls on a France shirt, he looks incredible. But he lo- always looks completely disinterested. And also has become a bit of a scapegoat for all, for all the wrongs and underachievement at Old Trafford. And you kind of think, what's the reason for that? Is it? I think a lot of people throw stones at him, don't they? And say, oh, he's, his attitude stinks. He's not a team player. But it can't be as simple as that. So what? I'd, I'd be fascinated to know what the hell's going on there. But there's, there's loads and loads of examples of these players. And it is... Um, it is interesting and also quite sad, really, because you think about how anyone to make it as a footballer, you know, you don't turn up there by chance. You've been through um, essentially having to devote your entire life to that profession and to get that good at anything. And to kind of hit that wall must be um, pretty difficult to to cope with, particularly if it's not injury related. If it's injury related, it's, it's awful luck, but there's, there's only really so much you can do. That's just the cards you've been dealt. But if you're just, if you just stop playing, it's, um, it's bizarre. Can you imagine Matthew, mm. if you know, you suddenly stopped becoming a magnificent podcaster, you just lost your form. <laughs> could, yeah. you, could you imagine that? I couldn't imagine being a magnificent podcaster initially, but, um, but then to fall from grace, that would be a, yeah, that'd be quite something. Matthew. I did. Uh, I did write. I did write Marcus Rashford in a message to you. Oh, did you? I thought. Mm, no, I don't think you can no. throw him in yet. He's having a bad. He's having a. <laughs> he's having a bit of a, a, a weak season. But I think a lot. I think half half that squad. Are, I don't think. I think it's way too early to throw him in. Okay. All right. Well, that was my only thing that I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you do, you want to be one of those right wing people who say, "Oh, if he if he didn't keep poking oh, his yeah. nose in where it's not wanted, then uh, maybe he'd he'd be playing better on the pitch." Yeah. Focused on his football for a change. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, then help feed poor kids. Yeah. Stop caring about starving kids, you awful man. Yeah. <laughs> Just focus on backing Britain and backing Brexit. That's what you should be doing. Yeah. 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 Good. Good. All right, Matthew. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, another episode, I was going to say, completed down the drain also uh, uh, <laughs> uh, comes to mind. Uh, no doubt we'll be back with some more shit. I'm going up the Arsenal tonight as we're recording this. So, um, you know, uh, it's nice. To, to do what? Always, always nice to go to an away game. To do what? Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to have a stadium tour. Fucking idiot. <laughs> to, is Liverpool playing It's though? the second leg of the League okay. Cup semi-final oh. between... Arsenal Football Club and Liverpool Football Club, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure I can live with the tension of will we make it to the Rumbelows Cup final? Find out next week. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs)